And the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. Can you bring up the next slide? One of the commentators I read invited us to think about the four words or phrases that we might use to describe Jesus. I wonder how you would answer that. What would be the four words or phrases you would use? From all the times and all the stories you've heard the Gospels over the last however many years you've been reading and listening to the Gospels. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. To do that right now. So you can do that in silence or talking to your neighbours. What are four words or phrases you would use to describe Jesus? And I would invite you to go beyond the easy ones like Saviour. If you kind of feel moved to go for that one, to think about what it is you're being saved from or saved to and how you might put that in a different way. So what are four words or phrases you would use to describe Jesus? Spend about a minute or two talking to the person next to you about that. So I'll let you continue those conversations later. For some people that's quite hard, I would say. It's difficult to narrow it down to four words. If you're like Janet, you bang them out in the first five seconds. So she just had her first five words. Thank you very much. Done and dusted. Let's move on. So uh, we're all different. I had more than four words, so I spent quite a while trying to work out what my four words would be. If it was seven or eight, that would be easy, but four, well, that was trickier, which is where the phrase came from because I tried to join some of them together. The Gospels teach us that in Jesus we meet God. And so those words that we might use to describe Jesus, we are then invited through the Gospels to apply to God as well. And so the question then becomes, how do we experience this God that we describe using those four words? That same commentator that I talked about, David Lois, offered these four words in terms of the story we heard from Mark 1, chapter 40. Touch, willing, compassion, and lonely. And I want to use these four words to explore the gospel reading we listen to today. So the first one, touch. We saw last week how urgent Mark's telling of the story of Jesus is. We are only 40 verses into Mark and already we have had John the baptizer preaching and baptizing. Jesus being baptised and being told he is the Son of God and then being possessed by the Spirit and driven out into the, into the wilderness where he is tested in that identity. Jesus preaching, now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. And then calling his first followers and living out that preaching, casting out a demon on Shabbat, the Sabbath, in the meeting place or synagogue in Capernaum, and then going back to Peter and Andrew's place, 
and finding Peter's mother-in-law sick and healing her. And then once the Sabbath had finished, others from the town coming and crowding around the door and with all those that they wanted healed. And then when they disappeared, Jesus going out into the wilderness to pray and his disciples at daylight coming, hunting him, that's the word, hunting him down, trying to bring him back to Capernaum because there were more to be healed. And he says he has to leave because his mission is to all the towns of Galilee. And that's the first 40 verses. Phew. And we also, also saw last week how in healing Peter's mother-in-law, Jesus took her by the hand. He touched her. He healed her face to face. It's personal and it's intimate. So the first word, touch. Many of you will know the power of touch. And you will know the pain of losing the opportunity both to touch and to be touched. This man has a skin disease. It's not Hansen's disease, it's not leprosy. So in our first reading, which Donald read, said how Naaman had leprosy. It's not leprosy as we know it today. Hansen's disease emerged much later on. We know all about how bacteria um, uh, mutate, don't we? We've experienced that with COVID. So uh, it was just a skin disease. But it was a skin disease that meant that he would be declared unclean. And the laws of Leviticus then excluded him both from his whanau and his community. And in many ways, although the laws didn't exclude his family from the community life, they would have been excluded anyway. And he would have been forced into isolation, away from people and away from human contact. If anyone came near him, he had to call out, unclean, unclean, and keep his distance. He was alone, a living death, which led many of those people to do desperate things, including taking their own lives. And in this case, so desperate that he breaks all of those rules and jumps in front of Jesus, not calling out, unclean, unclean, but if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus responds, not by casting him away, but by touching him. Even before he is healed, Jesus touches him. That is deeply healing in itself. God meets us in deeply intimate and personal ways. How do we encounter God's touch in our lives? And how do we offer that touch to others?
The second word is compassion. Most of the translations say that Jesus shows compassion to the man. Except the word that is translated compassion can also mean what did today's translation Anger. Yes. Today's translation said Jesus was incensed. It goes either way. And so the translators have to work out which way they're going to go. And some go with compassion, because that feels better. And some people go with anger, because it kind of fits with what else is happening in the way that that word is used in other places. And both ways make us feel uncomfortable. What might Jesus be incensed at, if that's how we translate it? Well, at one level, he could be incensed at the man who broke the rules. And he came to Jesus. Rules that were intended to keep the community safe, to make sure he didn't infect anyone else, except they didn't call it infecting, didn't make anyone else unclean. That's what those rules are about. But also, Jesus might be incensed at the rules themselves. Rules that declared him unclean. Rules that isolated him. Depriving him of human community and touch. Or maybe Jesus was incensed at how those rules were applied by the scribes and the priests. Or maybe Jesus was incensed at the powers that hold creation captive in illness and broken community and poverty and injustice. And most of those ways, however we translate that word, either anger or compassion, at the root of Jesus' reaction is compassion. And Jesus does show compassion. He reaches out and touches the man. Compassion and maybe anger, lie at the heart of the story. Compassion lies at the heart of God. So where do we meet God's compassion? And how do we live God's compassion for others? third word is willing. The man challenges Jesus, if you want, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus responds, I am willing, be clean. From that, it would be easy to say that God is always willing. And yet, and yet Jesus did not heal all the people of Capernaum. Nor did Jesus heal all the people in Galilee. Just some. In the end, there were too many. And of all those that got healed, they all got sick again. And they all died. And today... Many long to be healed of their illness and are not. 
So on the podcast I listened to about this, one of the commentators, who's an Old Testament scholar, was very willing to say that from this we have the idea that God is always willing. And that is his experience. He had cancer as a teenager and had his legs amputated, but he is still able to live his life. And so Psalm 30 that we said is his favourite psalm. That's the psalm he prayed as he recovered and dealt with his illness. But others on that podcast said, but what about all the ones who aren't healed? Does that mean that God is not willing? It all depends on how we understand what God is willing to do. If we think it's only about healing, then it looks like Jesus is only willing sometimes. There are no easy answers to that. And that podcast didn't come to any easy conclusion. They left the tension and moved on. But they acknowledged that tension is there. When I think of that word willing, I notice that Jesus was willing to meet the leper in his need. And in his case, did touch him. And in his case, did heal him. And restore him to his whanau, his family. And restore his whanau to his community. But the very first act was, he was willing to meet the leper in his need. So all I can say is that God is willing to meet us in our need. I can't say what's going to happen after that. But I can say that God will meet, will meet all of us in our need. Always. Because God is faithful. So where do we meet God in our need? And how do we offer God's faithfulness to others? Meeting them in their need. And then the last word, lonely. We often read these stories as if the healing is the point. And I've said a lot that healing is never the point. The point is always what the healings point to. <coughs> And the effect of those healings. In this case, the restoration of family and community. In fact, in this story, Jesus doesn't say be healed. He says be clean. Be restored to the people of God. This healing points to what Jesus is about. It's a sign. That's the word that John uses all the time. Signs. Pointing to something else. Pointing to the coming reign of God. And then he commands, don't say anything to anyone. Instead, go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice for your cleansing that Moses commanded. This will be a testimony to them. This little thing has, this little pericope has two little things that kind of go with the rest of Mark's gospel. Well, one is a question and one is a is a thing that points to the rest of Mark's Gospel. The first is, what does it mean for this to be a testimony to the, to the priests? 
And there are no, again, easy answers to that. There's all sorts of answers to that. The second is the messianic secret, which is a particular marking thing. All through Mark's Gospel, Jesus is telling demons not to say who he is, and he's telling people like this person who has a skin disease not to go and tell everyone about it. He wants to keep it secret. And there's all sorts of books written about why Jesus wanted to keep it secret. What is it all about? Well, maybe, at a very basic level, it was because Jesus knew that once people started finding out about him, he wouldn't be able to go into the towns anymore. Because everyone would be looking out for him. And he wouldn't be able to get very far before he was surrounded. And that's exactly what happens. Jesus is not able to go to the towns anymore. He has to stay in the wilderness. And people are going to have to go out and find him. But also, maybe, it's because Jesus is saying, wait. The healings aren't the point. If you just talk about the healings, you'll miss the point. And you're not going to know the point until the crucifixion. Until the end of the story. So wait. Wait. Wait until the story is finished. Then you will see what it all means. Then you can tell others. And that is how Mark tells the story. And the shadow of the cross is here, even in this story. Because the man doesn't go to the priests. And he starts talking freely about what Jesus has done. And because of Jesus' touch, he is once again able to go freely into towns and speak. He is restored. But because of that touch... Jesus is no longer able to go into the towns. And he has to live in the wilderness, alone with his followers. In fact, a lot of commentators say, because of that touch, their places are reversed. One is now able to freely go about, and the other has to go into the wilderness. That touch was costly, and it would eventually lead to the cross. Love is costly, but it didn't stop Jesus touching him and restoring him. God is faithful and compassionate, despite the cost. So the point of the story is not the healing. It is one of the first stories in Mark's Gospel, one of a whole group of stories that kind of set out what the rest of the Gospel is all about. Now is the time. The Kingdom of God has come. Let that blow your mind. Trust this good news. That's what the Gospel is about. That's what the story is about. God's Kingdom. And God's kingdom reflects God's nature. And God's nature is seen in Jesus, in the words that we came up with at the beginning.
seen in the teaching and ministry of Jesus. So the point is that it teaches us that God meets us in deeply intimate and personal ways. It teaches us that God meets us in our deepest need. It teaches us that God meets us out of life-giving compassion. And it teaches us that God will meet us no matter the cost. Or as one commentator said, These healings, it is very clear, are signs of what God's reign means for human beings. A restoration to a condition of blessedness, or thriving, or flourishing. Humankind will no longer be oppressed by the powers of evil. We have seen Jesus' intense interactions with the demons who know him. We have also heard that Jesus ins- we have also heard Jesus insist that it is his calling to destroy these powers hostile to God's reign, even as he must go about announcing it, so that all may have the opportunity to repent, have their minds blown, and to trust God. So what are your words? What do they teach you about God? And what do they invite you into as we approach this Lent? Two weeks ago, it was World Leprosy Day. To be honest, I didn't know that. Um, But because the story, uh, in some translations, is about a leper, I was given the World Leprosy Day resources. Uh, And uh, one of my friends, uh, fellow Franciscan, has been very involved with uh, leprosy missing Aotearoa, New Zealand, for a number of years. Uh, He's currently just moved to Geneva to be the executive director for Franciscan International, working at the UN. Um, But he has seen firsthand the work that Leprosy Mission does around the world. So Leprosy Mission works with lepers, uh, and it's astounding which countries have leprosy cases. We have about four or five new ones every year. Who knew that? Uh, Mostly, well, almost entirely imports from overseas. They're not um, diagnosed till they get here. The States has up to a thousand new cases every year. I was quite surprised by that. Um, Leprosy today is easily treated with that multi-drug therapy. Uh, It just needs money to be able to provide it. Uh, And for most people that's enough, although uh, as we'll see in a moment, um, there are some people who also need steroids. It's not very contagious, 95% of people uh, won't contract it. Uh, we have a natural immunity, but uh, our immunity is lowered by poor water, poor nutrition, poor living uh, places, uh, and that means leprosy tends to be in places of poverty. So there's a whole lot of other issues. Leprosy, uh, world, leprosy Mission Worldwide is working uh, to eradicate leprosy by the, world, by the year 2035. And they think that's a, a viable thing, so that they no longer need to be treating people. Um, you don't get it by touching it, you get it from um, people's uh, droplets <coughs> out of noses and mouths. Uh, and um, once somebody starts the treatment, they uh, within 40 hour, 48 hours are no longer infectious. So it's an easily treatable disease if you are able to diagnose it uh, and then get people to where the treatment is. So, we're going to spend a moment watching a little movie about this year's 
campaign for leprosy mission.